When you're acting as your doodle's teacher during training, do you know their learning style? Take our exclusive fun and free quiz to find out at thedoodlepro.com slash learning and make training more fun and successful. On today's episode, I want to give a shout out to doodle breeder Amanda Venturino. She shared, I love what you're doing for doodles out there. I am just so pleased that you exist and spread positivity about doodles. I will be recommending your content when I have another litter. If you would like a shout out on the Doodle Pro podcast, be sure to leave a review on your favorite streaming service. Thank you, Amanda Venturino. On episode 24 of the Doodle Pro podcast, I interviewed Colorado trainer Victoria Baker, who loves working with leash reactivity. She helped us on episode 24 talk about why is your doodle barking or lunging on a walk? Or why are they hiding every time they see a trash can or a bicycle? She helped us understand what's going on with them so that we can be more effective in our training so we can both enjoy our walks again. On last week's episode, number 25, Victoria shared her protocol on how she trains doodles to not be reactive on leash anymore using counter conditioning and desensitization. Don't worry if you're not familiar with those terms, she breaks it all down for you. On today's episode, you'll hear the final part of my interview with Victoria, where she is going to give you her protocol on how to help what are called frustrated greeters. Those are dogs that are not scared of other dogs, but instead are just hungry for interaction and attention from dogs or people that they see on walks. And that can look like barking and pulling. That can also sound like, my dog just wants to say hi. Well, instead of yelling that, Victoria is going to share what you should do instead. If you want to grab the other episodes, you can go to thedoodlepro.com slash 24 or thedoodlepro.com slash 25 or download them on your favorite streaming service. This is going to be a fun episode and I even added a special treat the Doodle Pro Society members are able to ask our guest experts anything about what's going on with their doodle and get private advice. And today's was so great and it would help so many people. I wanted to share it with you too. Let's dive in. Doodle breed dogs are easy to love, but can be challenging to parent. I'm doodle expert Corinne Gearhart, also known as the Doodle Pro, and I'm here to help doodle parents have a more fulfilling, and rewarding experience with their doodles. No one has professionally worked with as many different doodle breeds or has more experience with doodles than I have. And I love to share my expertise in a fun, compassionate, and non-judgmental way. From my years of work and education in the pet care and dog training industry, I have an incredible network of skilled training, grooming, and veterinary professionals to share their knowledge with you and give you the doodle-specific answers you're looking for. I hope you enjoy today's episode as I help you parent your doodle like a pro. Let's talk about frustrated greeter. One of the things that creates a frustrated greeter is that the dog's needs aren't being met in the first place. And the dog is frustrated because it never gets to play with its own kind or it never gets to be a dog and be off leash and forage around. 
And the vet said, don't go out until the vaccines are all done. And you didn't get your rabies vaccine until the dog was six months old. And the dog just doesn't know how to be a dog. So that's what creates a frustrating greeter. Also, too, we accidentally reinforce the behaviors that we don't want. And that creates frustration as well for the owner. But by paying attention to the dog when it's all excited and not reinforcing when it's calm, the dog says, hey, getting excited gets me what I want. So there's that. But when I get a frustrated greeter, the first thing that I do is I fill their cup with dog. And so that can mean going to Corinne's for a day of daycare, (laughs) or it could mean going to a dog park. And I like to go to the larger dog park. So I don't like small dog parks. I don't think that they're for dogs, really, but I do like the larger dog parks. Cherry Creek, Chatfield, Westminster Hills, for people that aren't in the area, those are 100-acre dog parks it's more like a hike where dogs are located versus going to a dog park to play yeah but going to places like that where you have your triggers and a lot of dogs are afraid of people they see a hundred people but none of them are coming near them or coming close to them or paying any attention to them so it really helps to desensitize if i see 50 dogs every morning on a walk and i play with two of them When I see them out on leash, they're not as stimulating. It's not a novel stimuli for the dog, right? And they're not frustrated because they get to play with other dogs. So the first thing I do is satisfy the dog's need of getting other dogs. And that doesn't mean just turning a dog loose on other dogs that has no social manners either. I work on that, but (laughs) that's a whole, that's a whole nother podcast as well is helping the dog learn some social manners around other dogs. <laughs> okay, so the first thing I do is fill the dog's cup with what he really needs. <laughs> Once I've done that, I will get dogs that the dog knows and is familiar with, or I'll bring a dog and I will let the dogs meet and interact for a short period of time so that the dog has met the dog, because that's the functional reward of the frustrated greeter is to get to meet the dog. So mm-hmm. I let it meet. I start there because that's where the dog is. And then once they've met and interacted for a little while, I separate the dogs. We're on leash. We go 100, 200 feet away. And then we start to walk towards the other dogs. Also, too, I have worked with how to walk on a leash extensively with the frustrated greeter in a non-distracting environment. He does mm-hmm. have an understanding of what I expect him to do. So we walk a hundred feet away and we look, mark, treat, look, mark, treat. We treat for staying in the heel. We're rewarding, reinforcing the dog for doing what we want. And we walk in, say if we're a hundred feet away, both dogs walk in 20 feet. Then I release the dogs and let them go. And so you have to do this in a safe environment. Release the dogs and let them go play. Sometimes that means they're on a really long line and I run with them. And other times we're in a confined area. Yes. Well, I prefer a confined area off leash. 
So from 60 feet away, we release the dogs and let them go say hi. We let them interact for about a minute and then we separate and we do it again. This time we walk 50 feet in. And so now they're 50 feet apart. Release the dogs, let them go play. Let them play for a minute, separate them again. This time we walk all the way towards the dog until we're about 10 feet apart. Honestly, at this point, the dogs are sick of each other and they're bored and they don't really care. They would rather work for food and work at a heel. <laughs> yes. They're like, oh, I can play with the dogs with you. I want. Oh, I'm going to yes. work for my food. And uh, working for food means staying next to my handler, right? So now we're at 10 feet. We release the dogs and let them interact for a minute. And then we do it again. But this time we walk all the way by. And as soon as the dog starts to pull or lunge to get to the other dog, which usually happens when you're right there, right next to each other. You have to anticipate this and move and let the dog go to the end of the leash, but not get reinforced with getting in this dog's space and wait for the dog to make a better choice. And that's hard sometimes to wait, but you have to wait. Then when the dog makes a better choice, which is looking at you, you mark and treat and move along. And then you do it again, and then you do it again, and then you do it again, and then you get another dog out. And you do the same thing with that dog. And you go through that process, you process. And maybe you don't walk away 100 feet. Maybe you shorten the process a little bit because your dog's starting to get it now. Your dog's going, oh, okay, when I'm on a leash and I see another dog, my handler wants me to pay attention to them and not the other dog. A lot of our doodles look like real life walking teddy bears and humans are like, oh, and run to them and want to get in their face and everything. And some dogs are okay with those greetings. Many aren't, but a lot of dogs are okay with those greetings and it rewards every human I see I should be interacting with and jumping on and all of that. So the same thing that you're describing with other dogs, when we're creating those bubbles, when we're on walks, it helps, I imagine, prevent these frustrated greeters that they're not expecting that every time they walk by someone, it's going to be a party. So most doodle owners get their dogs from breeders and they get the dogs at eight weeks old. It starts there. You want to teach the dog to ignore new and novel stimuli in the environment, not socialize with it. And we don't. like The people, when they get their puppies, they think socialization is, go say hi, go meet this person, go do this, go do that, let them pet you, let them manhandle you, let them, let this adult dog intimidate you and all this stuff and that develops a fearful greeter um and we accidentally create the frustrated greeter we teach them to go up and say hi to everybody instead Mm -hmm. of ignore them and again it's the same technique to ignore them it's look mark treat look mark treat look mark treat if they don't have the cognitive ability to think about what they're doing and how to earn the reinforcement from their handler because they're too excited about the novel stimuli in the environment, then you have to go back to the basics and start with counterconditioning their emotional response first before you can ask for more behavior out of them. And the socialization so. is, I see that novel dog, bike, whatever, and I feel safe. It's not, I see that dog and I must 
interact with them, I feel safe. Yeah. So it's a safe, positive exposure, but not every human I see. Oh, my mom saw a guy with a hat. She's got to have him come over and tussle me and bend over me and give a belly rub. And so you'll see a lot of new families say, can my dog say hi? As their dog's pulling and trying to get to you. And it's because since they were a puppy, that's what we did. Yeah. And then they magically go into adolescence and everything that they did as a puppy, they're not allowed to do anymore. And it comes right. out of the blue. Yes. They're like, but why can't I jump on that guy? I don't understand. I've always jumped When I was eight pounds, it was fine. It was out. So frustrated greeters, the functional reward is to get to meat. So you start with the meat and then you work your way out. And then you work mm-hmm. your way back in. But it, honestly, it goes pretty quickly. If you can find four or five dogs to work with, that's the hard part. I think that covers a majority of the reactivity that you're going to find out there. There are exceptions. Uh, Not too many exceptions in the doodle category, to be honest. A lot of that is breed specific. Doodles are generally extremely happy. They're too happy. You mix a high-drive poodle, who's a high-drive working dog, uh-huh. and then you mix it with a golden, who is a high-drive working dog with extreme happiness, Yes, and you put those together, and you get high-drive happiness. <laughs> <laughs> and poodles can run on the anxious side, and if you're bringing in some of the other dogs that have more like protective natures, then you've got a bit more like fear and anxiety as well. So it's not anyone's fault if your dog is trying to create space by barking and lunging. It's what works. The other thing goes away. Nobody's going to approach the barking, lunging dog, but it's fixable. It is. Oh, it is. Yes. It starts with understanding that it's just not going to go away. The dog's not going to just get used to it and get better. It really only gets worse if you don't address it from the beginning and you can prevent it. With that eight-week little puppy, with proper socialization and proper reinforcement of ignoring novel stimuli versus meeting all novel stimuli. And when you're describing what to do with the frustrated greeter, when you're talking about their needs not being met, I almost picture them as if like they're starving for food and they're so hungry for that innate desire to socialize with other dogs that you're feeding them a bit so that Mm -hmm. then they can make choices, not out of that place of starvation, that when you're saying filling that cup. And that makes sense because there's a trend in some training classes. Traditionally, if you're in what someone might call a manners or obedience class, that's not targeting socialization, that the dogs never greet, that they stay at their stations. And for dogs who are really hungry for that outlet, Some training classes are experimenting with letting them have short periods of play in the beginning because then they're like, oh, it's just that dog. I already sniffed him. We already romped a bit. Now I can work on my downstay and all of these different things work out. It can't be the forbidden fruit. It's like putting candy in front of a kid. Yeah. Um, No, you can't have it. (laughs) (laughs) So I have a question from one of our members. And they wanted to know their dog has like a mild 
level of reactivity, you could see the alertness first. It's usually in front of their home. So when they're on a walk away from their home, it's not as common. But if they're in front of their home and they see anyone coming by, you see the alertness, then you hear like the... And then as the usually a person with another dog approaches closer, then it's getting bigger and bigger. So is this from inside the house? Not both. Yes. So so you have to manage it so he doesn't do that when you're not around. Or that you're not available to work on counter conditioning, how he feels about people walking by the house. So you obscure the view or you don't allow him access to see outside. And a lot of people, when I tell them that, they're like, eh, it's not so bad. Because it's too hard to do. It's just something they just can't manage. But it's not that hard. And they're like, on Amazon, the window film, and it doesn't have to obscure your view. I agree. I agree. Yeah, yes. You don't have to have a darkened home. You can make it happen. I agree. But besides managing him so he's not practicing it all the time every time he sees somebody but it's the same thing it's exactly the same thing you don't wait until he's right as soon as he sees somebody look my feet look my feet and inside the house this is so easy inside the house because it literally lasts less than 20 seconds and it goes away every time so it's so easy to work inside the house but you have to be consistent and it's the same thing. Look, Mark Treat. Look, Mark Treat. The thing is gone. No more food. And if you can pay some kid in the neighborhood to walk by 50 times, do uh-huh. it. It's worthwhile. And it, once you start getting those repetitions in, the dog starts to go, oh, when I see somebody, I need to go look for my human because they give me a treat every time somebody walks by versus, oh, my God, I make them go away by barking. Because that is reinforcing. You bark at the postman and he goes away. That's his job. It worked. My barking worked. (laughs) It worked. (laughs) And then there's a difference too. So if you're outside with your dog and they can't handle somebody walking by, you want to have your dog on a leash. And the first time you do it, maybe the dog gets within one house or the corner lot of the neighbor's house, and you bring the dog inside. You mm. can't see the person. And then he walks across the front of the lawn, and he gets to the other edge of your property and walks away. And you bring the dog back out. And you look, Mark Treat, look, Mark Treat, as he goes away and goes out of sight. And then the next So they're time, not trapped. Yeah. And then the next time, you let that person get a little bit further, and then you go mm. inside. Because when they're right in front of the house, that's where they have the hardest time. And if they're going to have a hard time, no matter what kind of treat, no matter how far away you are at the door, at the edge of the yard, whatever, you can't get a distance far enough and he goes ballistic, then you got to bring him inside and work smaller pieces. And that's the definition of training is breaking it down into little pieces so your dog is successful. But it's the same procedure. And I love working on that inside the home. The barkers that are barking from inside the home, I love it because I could be a frustrated greeter on walks. I want to see my neighbor. I want to see their dog. And inside the home, there's no risk of embarrassment. 
if my dog goes over threshold and I'm able to be more patient and in the moment, but I often am not in training mode if I didn't anticipate that mailman, if he's coming at a different time. So I need to be able to switch my focus from what I was working on with the dogs to, oh, we're going to grab this opportunity to do some counter conditioning. Yeah. Rough when somebody comes close to the front door is not a bad thing. That's why a lot of people have dogs is because they want a little notification that somebody's around. Not being able to stop them or the dog being, you can clearly see the dog is aggressive, which they're aggressive because they're fearful and you don't want a dog to be fearful. And you don't want your dog to constantly be in a state of patrolling. No. They don't need to live at that level of anxiety. We don't want that for them either. And most of us are in the suburbs or urban areas, not on the rural farm where we want them right. making sure nobody goes on the property. Victoria, if somebody is in the Denver metro area and they want to work with you, how can they find you? You can find me on the web at foreverbehavior.com and forever is spelled F-U-R, not F-O-R. And my contact information is on there so you can email me or text me. Wonderful. I know my Cavapoo Nestle loves visiting you. It's a high compliment because when my husband went to get Nestle from staying with Victoria when we were out of town and Nestle ran past my husband looking for me, I wasn't home yet. And then he was like, how do I get back to Victoria? So (laughs) you ranked even higher than dad, which is a tall order. (laughs) I know. I looked back and he's believe me. (laughs) And my husband adores him and is kind and all of that. But you bring good things to him. And yes, he loves learning with you too. (laughs) Thank you so much, Victoria. Thanks for joining me on this episode of the Doodle Pro Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. And I invite you to follow me on Instagram at the Doodle Pro for behind the scenes peeks at all of the adorable doodles I work with daily. <laughs>